question for you this morning. Are you looking for something in your life? Are you seeking something? Are you looking for something? Are, are you looking for someone? Are you seeking someone? Uh, what are you looking for? Perhaps you're looking for a spouse. You feel lonely. You're alone. And you're looking for a spouse. You're looking for someone to be with you. Maybe you're looking for a better job or a better opportunity in a time when jobs are scarce. You're looking for a better job, a better opportunity. Maybe you're looking for financial security in a time of financial insecurity. Perhaps you're looking for peace. Maybe you're looking for quiet in a life that is filled with chaos and confusion. Maybe you're seeking answers for the problems and the dilemmas of life. Maybe you're here this morning because you're seeking spiritual guidance. You feel lost and, and you, you're just looking for some kind of guidance. Maybe you're looking for the nearest exit. You don't want to be here today. You're saying, get me out of here. There's one right there. Don't go. Please stay. Maybe you're looking for a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Whatever you are seeking, whatever you are looking for, your hope deep down inside, your hope is that you're going to find it before you die. The young people, I hang out with teenagers every weekend on uh, at Fuel on Sunday nights at 5. I hang out with the teenagers, and they have this thing they say, YOLO. How many of you know what YOLO means? You only live once. You only live once. So in other words, whatever you're going to do, do it now before you die, because you only live once. You only get so many trips around the sun. You only live once. So do what you're going to do. Get it done before you die. Answer those questions before you die because you only live once. I don't believe that's true. I believe you live forever. Everybody lives forever, whether they believe it or not. And you spend forever in one of two places, either with Jesus or without him. And so that if you decide that you're going to live in this life without Jesus, God will honor that choice, and you will live forever without Jesus. And as Cher said in her in her message earlier, that destination is hell. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Whatever you're looking for. Maybe you're looking for something this morning. That's why you're here. Because you're seeking something. You're seeking someone. You're looking for something. Whatever you're looking for, you are in good company. You are in good company. Because today we're going to talk about a man who had a face-to-face -face conversation with Jesus. He was a seeker. And we're going to look and see what he was seeking today. Jesus is also a seeker. I believe that Jesus is the first seeker, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments. We started a new sermon series last week called Face to Face. And it's all about one-on-one -on -one conversations that Jesus had with people where somebody sat down with him and they had a face-to-face -face conversation. They had a talk. And we're going to talk about what they were talking about. And we're going to see how some of the conversations Jesus had in his day apply to us today, including today's conversation that he had, the face-to-face -face conversation he had with a seeker. We're going to see how Jesus dealt with seekers then and how he deals with us as we seek today. If you've got your Bible, you can grab your Bible and turn to John chapter 3. If you didn't grab a Bible on your way to church this morning, you can grab one out of the pew in front of you. 
Turn to John chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21. Also grab your bulletin. You can turn to page 3 to the handy dandy outline. We'll fill in some blanks in just a few moments. This was a conversation. A conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he came to Jesus at night. You may be wondering, why did he go to Jesus at night? We'll talk about that in just a second. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Why at night? Why does he come to him at night? Well, it's because, I think it's because that uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Well, who were the Pharisees? They were Jews who were strict followers and strict adherents to the law and to the legal or oral tradition of the Jews. You see, they loved the law. They loved the law of Moses. They wanted to follow the law of Moses to the nth degree, and they interpreted it for everybody else. And so they would interpret the law uh, to its minutest detail. I mean, to the point where they would tell people that you had to tithe everything you had, even their spices, so that if you grew like a little, you know, a little mint plant, you know, you would have to count out 10% of the mint leaves and tithe those as well. It's like, how crazy is this? But they wanted to make sure that they were following God's law to the very letter of the law. They loved the law. Problem was they didn't love God. See, they loved the applause of people. They loved people to look at them and go, well, that's a holy man. He's a Pharisee. He's a, he's a holy Joe. We look up to him. We admire him. They would put them on a pedestal. But see, Jesus knew their hearts. And you know what Jesus called them? Hypocrites. Jesus called them hypocrites. Because, see, they put on a good show on the outside. Look at me. I'm a Pharisee. Jesus knew it was in their hearts. He knew that they were far from God. They may have looked good on the outside, but they were filthy dirty on the inside. So Jesus called them hypocrites. Because they were trying to fool people. The Greek word hypocrinomai is a word that means play actor. Okay, I used to be a theater major uh, when I was in college, when I went to Indiana State. I was in a production of A Comedy of Errors one year. Uh, Shakespeare. I did Shakespeare. Recently, I chaperoned a field trip at my son's school, and we went and saw a play at the Center for Performing Arts in, in Munster. And uh, I'm sitting there trying to have a conversation with a bunch of seven and eight-year-olds, you know, and they're like, who's Jonathan's dad? He's an old guy. And uh, so I'm having this conversation with them, and uh, we're getting ready to watch the play. And I said to Jonathan, uh, my son, and I said to the other kids there, I said, you know, I used to be an actor. And, 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 and the kids are like, what? I said, yeah. I said, I used to do this. I, I would get on stage, and I, I would play a character, and I was an actor. Really? I said, yeah. I said, I even did Shakespeare once. And one of the kids goes, Shakespeare. <laughs> it's like, exactly. That's right. I said, I did Shakespeare once. I did a comedy of And all of a sudden, I have like this rapt audience like, oh. You know, it's like, yeah, this is cool. I could be a hero in some seven-year-old kids' lives, hopefully mine. But uh, anyway, so when I was a, a theater major doing Shakespeare, comedy of we, uh, we we wore masks. We did the whole thing in the style of Dr. Suits. And so we all, I had this mask on. I was playing Dr. Pinch in the in the play. And uh, I had this mask on. You couldn't see who it, who it was. You couldn't see that it was me. I was putting on a character. I was playing somebody else. I was attempting to fool everybody to make them believe that I was this character. That's what the hypocrites do. That's what the Pharisees did. They put on a mask. They put on a show to try and fool people into believing that they were really, really holy 
when on the inside they were like filthy rags. They were full of death. They were full of wickedness and evil. So that's who the Pharisees were. Like I said, they loved the law, but they didn't follow it. They, they like to uh, tell people, do as I say, not necessarily do as I do. We do that as parents, don't we? You know, all of a sudden, our, our kids can see right through it, too. They know when we're being hypocrites. They know. You know, it's them, do this. And it's like, well, you don't do that. Never mind. Just do it. Right? That's what the, that's what the Pharisees did. So Nicodemus is not only a Pharisee, but he's also, the Bible says, a member of the Jewish ruling council. That was the Sanhedrin. So this guy is really held in high esteem. He's a big shot in, 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 uh, in Israel. He's, he's a big shot. Um, and so because he's a big shot, because he's got all these people looking up to him, and you see, Jesus is the new kid on the block. Nobody knows much about this guy. All they know is that he's got a lot of people following him. There's a lot of people going out to him. And so Nicodemus comes to him at night for a secret meeting. He doesn't want people to know that he's meeting with Jesus. He's got questions. He's got some questions. He's seeking something. He's looking for someone. He's looking for Jesus. He was seeking Jesus. That's the first blank on your outline. Nicodemus was seeking Jesus. Nicodemus was seeking Jesus. He wanted to see if, if what they thought about him was true. They said, you're a teacher, obviously sent from God. What they didn't know was that Jesus was so much more. Question for you this morning is, what do you believe about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who do you believe that he is? Is he just a, a, a good prophet? Someone who said some good things, some, a good moral teacher. You know, the golden rule and all that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Is he just a good teacher? Was he a madman who thought he was the Messiah? Just a, a lunatic running around going, I'm the son of God. Is that all he is? Or is he the son of God? Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you believe that he is the savior of the world? Because that's who he said he was. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And what you believe about Jesus will cause you to either seek him or to reject him. What you believe about Jesus will either save you or condemn you to an eternity separated from him. Are you like Nicodemus? Are you seeking for answers? Are you seeking for truth? Are you seeking for Jesus? Do you want to know him better? David says that that's a very hard thing. Because in Psalm 53, verses 2 and 3, he says, God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand any who seek God. Everyone is turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Not even one. Nobody seeks after God. Ro uh, Paul repeated this in Romans. And he said, there's no one who seeks God. In fact, everyone is a sinner. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone is a sinner. No one seeks after God on their own. No one is seeking God. No one is seeking Jesus by themselves. Paul makes it very clear that we are all guilty of sin. That verse in Romans 3.23, that doesn't sound very good, does it? This is not a very happy message so far. This is kind of a bummer of a sermon, Sean. Say something nice. I got something nice to say. It's Romans 3.24. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, 
Everyone is a sinner, but God didn't leave us in our sins. He didn't abandon us to leave us to deal with sin on our own. Rather, he made a way. He sent Jesus to take our punishment. He brought us forgiveness through Jesus Christ. He justified us through Jesus Christ. We have justification through Jesus Christ. That's a legal term. It means that God wipes the slate clean, completely clean. He cleanses us of all of our sins. In fact, uh, there's a cute little saying about the word justified. It's just as if I'd never sinned. That's what happens when God forgives us. He cleanses us. I was telling the story in the first sermon about my exquisite taste in clothing. That I'm a, I'm a, I have a personal brand that I like to wear an awful lot, and it's Calvin Klein. In fact, I'm wearing Calvin Klein jeans right now. Why? Because I'm awesome. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Just <laughs> um, Thank you. Um, but uh, so uh, imagine I go out and I buy a, a, an expensive T-shirt, like this really nice white T-shirt. I've told you this story before, but in case you haven't heard it before, uh, I, I buy this really nice white Calvin Klein T-shirt. And Calvin Klein makes these T-shirts. They're called liquid cotton. And they're, they're so soft and so amazing. They're just, they're awesome. I love these shirts. So anyway, I go out and I buy a, a really nice, bright white, dazzling white, liquid cotton Calvin Klein T-shirt. I pay way too much for it. Why? Because I'm an idiot. Anyway, so I go out and I buy this really expensive T-shirt. And, uh, and I'm really proud of it. I'm walking down the street. And all of a sudden, I see you. And you're like, oh, I'm going to ruin his T-shirt. What, what do you mean? What, what are you going to do? And you take a little toothpick and you stick it in some food coloring. You just go up and go, boop. Right in the middle of my t-shirt. What? What have you done? And so somebody else sees the t-shirt and they're like, um, what's with the dot? What do you mean what's with the dot? No, 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 no. See my white t-shirt? My dazzling white, beautiful Calvin Klein expensive liquid cotton t-shirt? Don't you see all the white? No, I, I, what's with the dot? I see the dot. You, what do you mean you see the dot? It's just a tiny little speck. It's just a tiny little dot. I mean, I, no, you see, you ruined the t-shirt with the dot. That's what sin does to us. Sin ruins us. Oh, I do good deeds. I do nice things for people. I hold the door open for little old ladies at the grocery store. You don't have to do that, by the way. I mean, you should do that if it doesn't have the automatic thing. But now it's got the automatic thing. So you don't have to do that. It opens on its own. It's not a good deed. Anyway. We may think we can do all these good deeds. We can do all these good things. We're going to balance out the scales, right? Okay, if I do 10,000 bad deeds and I do 10,001 good deeds, God has to let me into heaven, right? Wrong. If you do one bad thing, you do one, you commit one sin, that's the dot on the shirt. You've ruined it. Completely ruined it. But see, God, God is better than any dry cleaner. He's better than any high-efficiency washer, better than Clorox bleach. Because when he cleanses you, when he cleans you up, when he forgives your sins, he wipes that slate clean. He can get the dot out. And only he can. And he does that through his son, Jesus. He washes you in the blood of Jesus Christ and forgives your sins. And it's just as if I'd never sinned at all we bear the guilt and the shame of sin no more on our own we are incapable of pleasing god on our own we are incapable of righteousness hebrews eleven six says that without faith it is impossible to please god because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him we must earnestly seek faith in jesus christ 
We must earnestly seek God through faith in Christ. And God will reward us with eternal life. And that is only made possible by His grace. God, uh, if we will seek God, He will reward us. If we will seek Him earnestly, He will reward us with hope and eternal life and forgiveness. Nicodemus was seeking Jesus. But more than that, he was also seeking something else. Nicodemus was seeking answers. That's the second blank on your outline. He has some questions for Jesus. We're going to read those in just a moment. He was seeking answers to some questions. Let's see what Jesus says to him. In reply, Jesus declared, verse 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked the first question. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. So he asked two questions in this passage in response to Jesus' statement in verse 3. Jesus says, you must be born again. Well, how are we born again? That's Nicodemus' first question. How are we born again? You know, you can't buy it with your tithes and offerings. You can try, but you can't afford it. You can't buy salvation. You can't buy forgiveness. You can't buy eternal life. You can try and tithe your way to heaven, but you can't. You can't earn it by being good enough. Again, the dot. It ruins you. You can do 10,000 good deeds and 9,999 bad ones, but you can't buy it and you can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. It is by grace that we are saved. You can only accept this wonderful gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So how are we born again? We believe. Like I, I say it every Sunday. We believe in Jesus Christ. We repent from our sins and turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness. We confess our faith publicly and we are baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And God fills us with his Holy Spirit. And we are filled with the Spirit. And our lives are transformed. And we are changed to be more like Jesus. What's interesting about this passage, these verses here, verses 3 through 10, is that Jesus uses the plural form of the word you. So he's not just talking to Nicodemus. He is having a one-on-one, face-to-face conversation with Nicodemus. But when he says, you must be, he says, do not be surprised when I say you must be born again. That's plural you. He's saying, y'all must be born again. That's how they say it in Texas. He says, y'all must be born again. Every one of you, every single person, everyone who lives, everyone who ever will live must be born again by water and the Spirit. You all must be born again. Not just Nicodemus. Everyone has to be born again. Well, that leads Nicodemus to another question. How can this be? How is this possible? He was seeking answers to his question, not just about who Jesus was, but about Jesus' teachings as well. Now, what about you? What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What answers are you looking for? Are you looking for answers about Jesus and his teachings? Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says... Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. 
The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you will genuinely and earnestly seek the truth, and genuinely and earnestly seek answers, you will find what you are looking for. But it has to come from you. You have to want it. Your parents can't do it for you. Your sisters and brothers can't do it for you. Your children can't do it for you. It's not about your grandparents' faith. It's not about your parents' faith. It's not about your siblings' faith. It's not about your children's faith. It's not about your fellow Christians' faith. It's got to come from you. You've got to want it. You have to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock. No one can do it for you. No one can make you seek. You've got to want the answers enough to seek them. Nicodemus wanted answers, and he went to Jesus to find the answers to the questions he was asking. So Jesus goes ahead and he answers Nicodemus' questions. Let's look at verses 10 through 21. Nicodemus asks, how can this be? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and what we, te- we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the Son who came from heaven, the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. God sent his son because he loves the world. And God sent his son on a search and rescue mission. The last blank on your outline this morning is Jesus is seeking you. Jesus is seeking you. God sent his son Jesus to seek people. He revealed his true mission in Luke 19.10. He says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save those who feel like they've lost their way. Have you ever felt like you've lost your way? I'm not talking like on a map. I'm talking in life. You feel like I, I've just lost it. I, I, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I, 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 I just live by, by instinct and, and emotion and reaction. I, I, I'm not, I, there, there's no intentionality in my life whatsoever. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know how to get there. There's a great story that Albert, about Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein was on a, on a train, and uh, a conductor comes along, and he's collecting tickets. He's stamping tickets. So he comes up to Professor Einstein, who's on his way home, and uh, he says to Professor Einstein, he says, uh, ticket, please. And uh, I, I don't know where my ticket is. Uh, and, and he's looking all around in his briefcase and everything. And the uh, conductor says, it's okay, Mr. Einstein. I know who you are. You don't need a ticket. Okay. 
Well, the conductor keeps going down the, the line. And, and he looks over his shoulder and sees Einstein on his knees on the floor looking for his tickets. And the conductor goes back and says, it's okay, Mr. Einstein, Professor Einstein. I know who you are. It's okay. He goes, my dear sir, I know who I am as well. The problem is I don't know where I'm going. You see, a lot of people may know who they are, but they don't know where they're going. And they don't know how to get there. They're living on reaction and instinct. And they have no purpose in their lives. And they don't know where they're going. And they have questions. And they're seeking for answers. And they don't know where to find them. They feel lost. Jesus came into the world to seek and to save lost souls. People who feel like they are lost. It's because of God's great love for people that he demonstrated his love by Jesus being lifted up on a cross. Just as Moses lifted up the snake to heal people in the, in the Old Testament, Jesus was lifted up on a cross to heal people from their sins. He died so that whoever can believe in whoever will believe in him will have eternal life. God sent his light into this very dark world. He died so that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. You know, we live in a world that is full of darkness. We live in a world that is full of evil. And God sent his infinite light and infinite goodness into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, he says. He came to save the world. He said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. That's why Jesus came. And if Jesus wouldn't condemn the world to hell, and he came to save the world instead, if he wouldn't condemn the world to hell, then Christians shouldn't do it either. If Jesus wouldn't condemn the world to hell, Christians shouldn't do it either. That's not our job. Jesus said it's not his job, it's not our job. Christians should be shining the light of Jesus Christ to people everywhere. We should be shining the light of Jesus to everyone. Not condemning and uh, standing in judgment over people. We should not be condemning people. Remember, we have to remember we were once living in darkness. We were once in the dark. And Jesus shined his light into our lives and has brought us out of the darkness into the light of grace and truth. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 6, Paul wrote, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were in the darkness. We did the evil things. But God, who is rich in mercy, brought light into our lives. And by the truth of Jesus Christ, we can be saved and have light in this dark world. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek and to save sinners. Jesus is seeking you. Jesus is seeking you. Will you be found? Will you let him find you? Or are you going to run away? It's time to stop running. The question I have for you this morning is, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Are you seeking the one who is seeking after you? 
I've got two challenges for you today. The first is if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that God loves you. And he sent Jesus to be your savior. He sent Jesus to seek and to save you. He cares enough to send Jesus. And if you will seek after him with all of your heart, and, and you will find out, you will find out that what he says is true. I know it's true. I've seen it in my life. I was a little guy, raised in the church, played baby Jesus when I was three months old, raised in the church my whole life. I went away to college and lost my mind. I lost my way. I said, I don't want this church stuff anymore. I quit going to church. I quit talking to God. I quit having a relationship with Jesus. I, I gave up. I was ready to do something else. And then God wouldn't give up on me. He wouldn't give up on me. And he won't give up on you. And the reason I'm standing here before you this morning preaching and teaching as the pastor of Griffith First Christian Church, the reason I'm here today is because, not because I'm so wonderful, because I've got this talent or this ability, it's because God is so good. And that God changed my life, and He can change <laughs> your life too. He can, and He will, if you'll let Him. My second challenge is for you, who are, for you believers, for us Christians, Examine your life. If you're a Christian and you're vocal about your faith and you're living out your faith, you're doing one of two things. You are either pointing people to Jesus or you are pushing people away from Jesus. Which is it? Examine your life. Are you pointing people to Jesus Christ or are you pushing them away from, pushing them away from Him? You're either shining His light and reflecting his light to the darkness, or you are not? Are you living your life as a reflection of the love and light of Jesus Christ? Examine your heart. Examine your life. Do you have the heart of Jesus? He came to seek and to save the lost. Are you doing the same? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. We're so thankful that he came to be our Savior. We're so thankful that he came to die for our sins, to give us hope and joy and peace. I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to proclaim the light and the life of Jesus. That we would share his love. We would not stand in judgment and condemnation over anyone. For Jesus does not stand in judgment and condemnation over us. Rather, he sets us free. Help us to point people to Jesus that they might be free as well. Thank you again for your word, for your love, and for your son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.